Hi, I'm Ophelia, and I'm writing a book. Kinda. Join me as I talk through my very self-taught writing process and dish all the gossip on the people, places, and experiences that are soon to be people, places, and experiences in my book. Well, hello everyone. How's it going? I want to share a little story with you that happened to me this morning if you want to hear it. And of course you do. I mean, actually, I don't know if you want to hear it or not, but you're going to hear it because I can't hear you say no. So this is perfect. Um, it's short and it's hilarious, although it's long by this really big intro. So this morning I get up, you know, I'm walking around trying to get my brain working and all of that kind of stuff. And I step and I'm like, ah, that hurts. And I have two teen boys. Well, one's almost a teen and one's like fully in the throes of it. And the preteen is really like into Legos. Um, not, I mean, he builds stuff. He, he loves building Legos, but he likes doing the stop motion videos. And he's really into that. Like he is planning things out now. He's like, writing scripts when I record voices for him. He's very critical of how Princess Leia sounds. And I keep trying to express to him that I just do not sound like Princess Leia. But I step in and my foot hurts and I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, there's a Lego on the ground and I'm just in crippling pain. And so like, I like brush whatever's on my foot off and I look down and it's not a Lego. It's a tooth, like a molar is on the ground. And I'm trying to figure out like what, and I look and like, there's not fl fresh blood on it. And so I'm like, Hey, who lost a tooth? And nobody in our house is like admitting to it. Like nobody lost a tooth. Did you lose a tooth? No. Did you lose? No. You know, and I, it, two of us are ruled out. My husband and I are ruled out because I'm not missing any teeth. I'm assuming he's not lying about it. That would be super weird, right? And my kids are both just like, no. And I, I mean, I don't know. The younger one has holes in his mouth, so I'm assuming it's him. But he is claiming that he has not lost a tooth recently, which leads me to two things. One, either he lost us a while ago and this tooth has just been sitting on my ground and I just happened to find it today or I, I don't know. Or there's a ghost and there are genuinely numerous things that have happened in my house that make me think we have, you know, paranormal activity, but maybe ghosts have teeth. Maybe one of the ghosts lost a tooth and it's just like messing with me now. It's going to leave teeth around the house. Okay. <laughs> and back to my book. All right. So today I wanted to talk about the four main characters and I don't know, this might, this might be too much. So maybe I'll just, I'm going to start with two of them, okay? Because they interact with each other a lot during the story. And they're the two that I feel the most like kindred with. You know, they are the two that I love the most. The other two, I relate with them. They're like parts of my personality that I don't like. They are more parts of people's personalities that I don't like. And um, not that I, I think they're good characters. I think they're interesting. I think they're necessary in the story. But these two are the ones that I connect with. And they are Aurora, who is the sun child. So in the fairy tale, remember the Talia has this sun and moon child and the baker saves them. Well, in, in my version of the story, the baker is not going to save them. It's going to be, um, well, basically an omnipotent power. Okay. A God is going to scoop them up from the world and, um, place them in the sky. So that's how we're kind of crossing over the fairy tale to this myths and origin story legends. So 
they're scooping them up. Okay. And so the sun and moon are going to be safe, but in the sky. So they're not remaining on the world anymore. Um, but like, I, like I had said before, uh, in a twist of fate, they're going to send these children down um, to help save the world and the turmoil and the problems that it's in. So the sun child is Aurora and the book really starts with her. And uh, she is the one that when I started the story was my first focal point. And I just, I loved it. I wanted the protagonist. I wanted the one that had most of like the action sequences and the person that was going on adventures to be, um, to be a female. She's going to be starting in the book. She's going to recount some of her earlier years, but she's going to be a a teenager, a mid-age teenager as a lot of this kind of, I guess, genre. This is kind of more a YA genre here because, well, I like that genre as well. Um, and I want her to be adventurous and I want her to be bold and not just struggling with like flippant things, but with real crises that people have and being able to kind of, I don't know, make her way through it intelligently and maybe not always gracefully, but, you know, be somebody that is a um, positive role model. So I I was excited about her. You know, she was going to be this go-getter. She's going to be adventurous. This is somebody that I would like to be. And then she meets this person when she's kind of on the run. And this character is another one of the main two. And this is called The Boy. And he does not have a name until the very end of the book, actually. Um, And it's really inconsequential what his name is. Well, I guess it is consequential to him at the end that his name is, is actually spoken. But for the, you know, majority of the book, he's just referred to by anybody as the boy. She comes up with a couple of nicknames for him during the book, um, but he is a, a mysterious one. He has a backstory that he does not communicate to people. He is aloof. He is very knowledgeable in the ways of everything, but he's the person that is the supporter. He is the cheerleader. He is the one that is helping keep people safe, but is not really recognized for that. He's the mom. (laughs) He's the mom of the scenario. So interesting fact about this guy, the boy, he cannot speak. So he, he has this curse placed on him. She doesn't know this. He can't speak from the beginning of their interactions. And he doesn't really try to express this part of his backstory. I mean, he, he does communicate with her, just not through speaking. And they kind of, I mean, that's part of their relationship is them finding this means of communication as they are kind of at first unlikely. And she really doesn't even want to be partnered up with this dude at first, you know, and they become good friends. And it's kind of one of those relationships where from her perspective, it is, you know, this not burden of a friendship, but it kind of is. It's more of like a a sibling, you know, thing. It's like a brother-sister um, dynamic that they have. And from his perspective, I mean, it is that, but he is definitely like romantically attracted to her. And, you know, unfortunately, it is this unrequited love. She is more attracted to one of the other main players. And, um, you know what? He's he's kind of this other guy's more of a, a user. He uses people's emotions. This is Drayan. Um, he's the three of the main four. So Drayan um 
is somebody that she's attracted to and he pretends that he is, or, I mean, I think part of him actually probably is, but he is utilizing his knowledge of her attraction to him to get what he wants. And it's not like, he's not willing to sacrifice anything actually real for her. It is just a, a means to an end. Any hoosie. Um, Aurora, the sun child, and the boy, the mysterious companion, uh, are on a journey and they they spend a good chunk of this opening sequence together. And it's really just about their relationship and the adventures that they're on um, in the beginning of this quest. So at the end of the book, okay, I'm not like spoiling the end, but at the end of the book, he is gone. The boy is gone. And Aurora is reflecting back on this and looking at the relationship and kind of understanding how he felt and that she didn't see it or did not choose to see it. I think that's really more of what it is. I mean, you know, when, when somebody is attracted to you and especially if it's like a a friend, you know, and you, you know, and sometimes you just don't want to lose the friendship. So you just pretend like that aspect does not exist, but she realizes this. And this is bringing me to my next part of how I'm going to format this book that I didn't really talk about last time, but I'm, I'm really excited because I made some progress over the weekend. Oh, okay. Well, that song wasn't good, but the story is going to be going between the myths, fairy tales, you know, that thing, and this magical realism storyline. Okay. So it's teeter tottering between those two. Well, I want to add in like this third layer, which I actually had already started, but I felt like last time, last episode was going to be weird enough to explain that we're going between two lime, two, two lime lines, two timelines and adding in this third element. It's not really a timeline of its own. It's going to be these letters that um, Aurora is going to be writing to the boy, but this is after he is gone in the end. So we're going to be reading these letters sporadically throughout the story. And they are letters that she's writing to him. It's not not quite a journal. I mean, although in reality, it really is. It's her journaling her thoughts out. And she's going to write them. She's going to address them to the boy. And then she's just going to set them on fire and let the, the ashes float up to the heavens where uh, she believes he is at this point in time and hoping that he will read these words, you know. We don't really know if he ever gets them or not, but it's her way of reconciling with him, making amends for maybe the ways that she hurt him. And these are letters, I've started writing a couple of them already, and they're letters that genuinely I wish somebody had written to me. I mean, I love written letters anyways. There's something really like cool about it, you know? Um... Megals, I got your your card a week or two ago. And it just like, you know, somebody put some time into it. It's it's different than getting a text message or an email or, you know, something over the internet. There's just something a little bit more thoughtful about it. And I love writing postcards too when I when I travel. Sometimes honestly I'm bad about like sending them out while I'm on vacation, but I love them. Actually, funny story. So last summer I was in England and I was hiking and I, it was just beautiful. So I was like, I brought these watercolor uh, postcards. So they were blank. So I was painting flowers and scenery and whatnot and just sending them to some friends and family. And 
um, I got home and I had not heard from one friend and I was like, uh, did you get the postcard I sent you? Um, because, you know, I had painted on it and I just, you know, nothing deeper insightful was in the message. Just like, I was here, this is what I saw. And they were like, oh, that was you? It's like, yes, it was me. Like, you know, you knew I was on vacation. And they're just like, oh, I thought I had a stalker. Like, <laughs> yeah, you thought you had a stalker? And they were like sending you like watercolor postcards of buttercups? Okay, cool. So anyways, this is kind of my self-imposed therapy exercise. I'm writing letters to myself, basically, but, you know, via the story. So it's going to be Aurora writing these letters to the boy, you know, for hurting him, you know, emotionally for perhaps some of the things that she like actually did during their um, travels. Anyhow, I'm thinking of this book now also in the realms of like the audiobook. Okay, so that's definitely something that's going to be happening with it. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, when I listen to audiobooks, A, I love it when there is like some sort of like music in it. Okay, so like at the beginning of the chapter, there's just like some light music. It kind of like sometimes gets me out of the lull that we've gone from one chapter to the next. Um, I know some are like majorly produced and there's like sound effects and there's, you know, light kind of like a hum of music going in the background, the entire story. I'm not sure I want like all of that, but I did want to integrate some music into this somehow. So I was thinking to myself, okay, wouldn't this be fun for the letters, the magical realism and the fairy tale and folklore section, if they had like three different musical themes. And so this weekend I was just feeling very inspired by this. And I wrote this musical theme that I want to attach to the letters. And actually I already have something that I wrote several months ago for someone. And I think that'll be great for the magical realism. It's just, well, it's a longer piano thing, but I have like a, a main theme that I think will be perfect for the actual um, intro there. So this one for the letters though has some singing in it, which I'm kind of nervous about because like it's me singing and I don't know, that's like nervous to get out there too. But um, it's a little bit longer. So it's like 30-ish seconds. So I thought maybe the first time it's introduced, I'll do the whole thing. And then every subsequent time, it'll just be like the first phrase, but maybe I could rewrite the lyrics of that first phrase to pertain to like the specific letter. So anyways, I'm kind of, I'm excited about this actually. Like, I think this is a good idea. I think this is a unique thing. Um, and I like it. I like that I'm kind of crossing the music and the audiobook and the literature together. I think it's a, a fun creation. So anyways, I'm nervous, but I'm going to share the letter music that I have so far. Um, quit stalling and just let them hear. Said you know the truth, you know the way, but truths are falling out. Now I'm alone in the dark. All right, 
did you think? Okay, okay. Um, I, I like this way of sharing my compositions because honestly, I know I'm not a great songwriter. It's, it's one of those things that I always really wanted to be good at. Like, I wanted to be somebody that could write hooks really easily, that could, um, you know, have songs that were very simple, but also very meaningful. And it's just not my gift. So I think this one is a little catchy and I like it. Um, so I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Uh, but do honestly, I can take some feedback, like nothing super harsh. Let's be honest. I can't take anything super harsh. If you really hate it and you think it's just the worst idea ever, then keep it to yourself. All right. I love you, but it's just going to hurt my feelings really bad. Um, all right. Moving on from my sensitivities, I guess. So we kind of touched on it. We have these two main players and I feel like I've talked so much about them. Um, but I am, I'm very excited about them. The other two, we touched on Dre and he's this guy that's part of a theatrical troupe and he befriends them and he has some information that they need. So they actually do need him to, to complete their journey that they're on. He is a necessity. Um, he is somebody that they think is his friend. Um, and you know, I, it's kind of unclear whether he is actually friends with them or whether he is just using them entirely. And kind of, I mean, I'm not going to lie at this point, I'm not even sure. Okay. I have things mapped out that he, he does and that, you know, the interactions that they have, but he is based on a couple of people that have really just not been nice. Like friends that have, that have said that, you know what, like, I'm there for you. I'm going to, you know, be supportive. And then out of the blue, they are just gone. Like, just abandoned me. And it's really sad. And honestly, I feel like as an adult, it's so hard to find people that you actually connect with and like are friends with. I mean, I know it sounds so dumb, but somebody that like can fit into your life and then to just have them like, disappear and it's not like I I understood what happened but it still really hurt it really hurt I think honestly friend breakups are are worse than like romantic <laughs> breakups because you can be like oh you know they were such an asshole and this happened this happened but this is like well I mean still I'm like well they're kind of an asshole but um I don't know it just hurts me more because it's like you knew who I was. You didn't want anything else from me, you know, like sex or anything like that. And then you just decided like that I wasn't enough. And that's really sad. God, I'm getting so fucking sad thinking about it. Um, okay. Hold it together, lady. Okay. Like a funny story about me is that like books really make me cry. I mean, I cry a lot more often as an adult now than I ever did like in any portion of my lifetime. I don't know what's going on with me, but I do cry a lot more now. But books really make me cry. Like when they end, I just feel like this part of me and this story has ended and I've been so emotionally invested in their lives that it really hits me hard. So <laughs> I had read this one book and I was listening to it as an audiobook, and I'm going to work and I, I teach middle school and I'm sitting in the car and I'm like waiting till the last minute because I'm listening to the end of the book and I'm just sitting there in my car like crying 
and I just can't stop. And so like, whatever, like the bell rings and I live my life on a bell schedule because I'm a teacher. So I get out of the car, I like trot into my class and it's an all girls class that I have. And they're just like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. And um, this isn't the first time that I've come to class crying because of a book. So I was like, I just finished this book. And they're like, oh, okay. And so <laughs> every time I finish a book, uh, we like sit down and like, I tell them about the book and I try not to spoil the ending, but I, you know, explain what's making me cry and what I thought was good about the characters. I'm not an English teacher. We just, we have a shared love of reading. A lot of us in the class, not everybody, but, um, so I'm just crying and like, I'm like, I need to get myself together. So I go into my, um, office and one of the girls, she needs something from me, something from the office. And like, um, she's like following me and she like steps in and she kind of like looks around like this is a small office. I mean, honestly, I think it was a, a closet at some point in time, but she's looking around and she's just kind of like taking it in. And I'm there and I found the tissue and I'm like trying to fix my face. And she goes, oh, wow. Is this the room where you go to cry in? And I just like start busting out laughing. So now every time anybody's crying in our class, because like I said, it's a middle school, all girls class. So it happens fairly often. And, you know, whenever I finish a book. So that is the room now, my office, because it's basically a storage place. That's the room we all joke about, like, oh, you're crying. Do you need to go in the room where people cry? Anyways, this whole digression was to say that Drain's a complicated character because I have very complicated feelings towards several friends from this past year. And this is not to say that I don't have a wonderful support system, because I do. Um, but some of the main players of my support system are gone, and I am trying to walk that road now. Okay, I'm gonna move on to other things. The fourth main character is Stella slash Tilda. So this is the fallen star who is Stella in the myths section of the book. And when she is in the world, uh, she changes her name to Tilda. So, you know, I'm not even going to get into her because she is a whole other ball of wax. And she is basically like the person that I think I could become. I think if we are honest with ourselves and if you just gave up and you just lost faith in humanity and you had, you know, nothing to live for, and you'd been like that hurt. I think she's the person that I'd become. I could, yeah, I could rationalize some of her behavior for sure. And I, I think that's true. And that's what makes characters interesting in books is that they have this potential at many junctions during the story to be the hero to, or to be the villain. It's like this constant balance or, you know, series of choices that they are making. That's what makes it interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, heroes that are born heroes that never question if they should be a hero or question what they're doing. I mean, those are those are boring. Those are not those are the books I get 25 pages in and then I stop. I mean, even if it's not like a hero thing, if the character is clearly not going to be evolving or changing at all, I just stop. 25 pages is my my limit cuz otherwise then I feel like even if I realize later on the book like oh this was a mistake like I still I still feel like the compulsion to finish it okay so I think 
I think I'm ready for somebody to read something of my book. So I, I want to, I'm not sending out any of the letters. Okay. The letter section is just too personal. <sighs> if you're a good friend of mine, you know, what's been going on in my life. You don't need to read these fucking letters. All right. I've, I've told you everything anyways. So I want to send out the first chapter that is part of the magical realism world. Um, and I, I'm, I'm actually really nervous about this because like I said, I am a self-taught, self-learning writer and having somebody give me feedback. I'm nervous because not like I'm not a big girl and can't like handle any feedback. It's that I'm a little nervous that if you tell me something that is like very big and needs to like change the storyline that it is and that I've mapped out so much of this story and I feel like if you're going to move you know, remove one card from this house of cards that everything is just going to come falling down. Um, so I mean, but I think I need to do this. And to be fair, on the same token, if I need to like change something major, then you know what, I may as well change it now. Okay, I may as well not wait until I'm like halfway through the book and have somebody read it and say, you know what, like, all of this needs to change. So I'm nervous, but I think it's kind of a necessary evil at this point. So there's three of you that I know are listening to this for sure. So my three amigas, you have no choice. I'm going to send it to you. And I would love it if at least one of you wanted to come and do like an interview for next week. This, this could be fun. I can figure out how to do interviews and turn that into a podcast. Um, I can do that. I love trying new things. I love brilliantly succeeding or you know, horribly failing in a big fiery crash. So we, you know, we'll probably land somewhere in the middle of that. So keep an eye out. If you're one of the three amigas, you are going to get this chapter and read it. And don't tell me what you think until we have our interview. And we'll kind of figure that out. And if there's anybody else randomly that's listening to this, then let me know. And I can send you the chapter because I really do want some different perspectives. And maybe it would be good to have somebody that doesn't know me and doesn't know my personality, you know, except from this to, to read it and see what they think. Yeah. Oh my God. Are there strangers out there? Stranger danger. (laughs) Okay. Well, I look forward to next week. I think it's going to be a fun adventure. You guys have a great day. Bye.